Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Remember, you're listening to us on various platforms on DSTV, on uh, Channel 802, on the audio bouquet in South Africa and neighboring countries in the SADC region. Thank you for joining us uh, on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us to our main service into Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, that is our shortwave service. And you can stream us live on www.channelafrica.c. Well, today we're looking at a very interesting story on our conversation today here on African Dialogue. We're looking at the state of African cities. What needs to be done to ensure that the continent's urban planning is in line with the growth of urbanization? Uh, We also know that there's an increase uh, on migration in uh, the African continent. According to UN Habitat, Africa's urbanization is at the rate of 4% each year, with population shifts moving from rural to urban areas and this poses a challenge to many African governments with challenges such as overcrowding, crime and um, we're also seeing an increase of population. African governments have to start rethinking how to create sustainable cities which adapt to the population dynamics. They also have to create infrastructural development which deals with the commercial and social needs of these urban environments. Well, to help us with this conversation we've got two gents in our studio. We've got uh, Sitole Mbanga, who is the CEO of South Africa Cities Network, and we also have Donald Mpulu, who is also a a town planner and a private consultant. Thank you, gents, for giving us your time. It's really good to have you here in our studio. Uh, Let me start with you, uh, Mr. Mbanga, in terms of, uh, from a South African context, we have a huge narrative in terms of the historical context of urban planning in various uh, urban settings, whether you look at various provinces, you actually can see physically that historical um, imagination that was set by uh, the apartheid regime where you do see townships very much divided from the urban centers and the commercial hubs of uh, the spaces that we are seeing. In terms of the shifts that we are starting to see slowly but surely, creating a connection between previously advantaged areas and those commercial hubs. How are we doing with those with those particular challenges before we also deal with issues such as uh, overpopulation, overcrowding in, in certain um, cities? No, thanks. Firstly, I think it's important for, for, for me to thank you for sure. being timely yourself yeah. in terms of uh, the topic I'm saying this because October, which is next month, Mm. is celebrated across the globe under the auspices of the United Nations Habitat. Mm. It's a month in which uh, the world recognizes the phenomena of urbanization. Mm. And so there will be quite a number of events. I think in South Africa, under the Cities Network, the Department Cooperative governance, mm. Salga, and uh, the Gauteng government, mm. everybody generally, there is a planned um, conference which, amongst other things, it will look exactly at what are the current trends of mm. South Africa's urbanization mm. and what responses need to be developed, mm. at least across four platforms. Mm. The first platform is the one that you refer to, which is space. Mm. 
the need um, you, you use a simple language in, in terms of planning I suppose my colleague will perhaps testify to this sure. there is a language that is called the need for spatial transformation which sure. is basically transforming the current form and shape of the geography so that it becomes inclusive mm. as you correctly say the way in which apartheid planned it was primarily a very divisive system and so in its doings it was divisive mm. divisive across the color divisive ac- across creed divisive also ac- across class mm. and in south africa you would know most poor people were generally black and mm. particularly african and most of those that could afford were white people sure so where we stand i think as a country currently is that we are dealing with a very stubborn spatial apartheid form mm. the type of form that needs to be changed so that you can create shorter spaces of movement between a place of work a place of uh, of play and a place of stay for the average household but not only for the household only you are also talking about creating efficiency in space for places of production i'm talking about farms i'm talking about factories where production takes place so that you are able to make the final product ultimately competitively priced for market consumption or for for for, for purchase by the market It sounds like a very sophisticated sure. thing that I'm saying but the simple thing mm. is that apartheid was bad not only in its thinking but also in how we're experiencing mm. apartheid today and that's the challenge that we're facing today. Mm. Let me come to you Donald because it's we're using South Africa as a context that we all understand as as Africans ourselves and you you, you go to another African country you actually start seeing the same patterns that we see because they have the same kind of colonial uh, designs that we have in in South Africa and what was interesting that Sitola was highlighting that is the fact that uh, this is a stubborn infrastructure and it's it's cemented it's physical it's there in our faces day in and day out and to shift that and redesign it to the new socio-economic needs of the current dispensation is a huge challenge isn't it yeah definitely um i i, I strongly agree with mr sole Um we have a very very big problem um very stubborn problem that is with uh apartheid as 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 still um it's after effects being felt you know in 2018 mm. not just in South Africa but um how colonialism actually um transcended into African cities and how how it it it, it actually transforms or manifests into spaces that we live in today mm. you know mm. so so yeah i i i strongly agree with mr stolen saying that mm. it actually um it, it it's still here mm. uh would like to think that of course we in a democratic um state but uh, the effects of it still exist um its rigidity still um is a big challenge to to our spatial planners you know spatial professionals that is people working in the built environment so it's an ongoing challenge they it's i feel that we we need, we need new 
new new strategies mm. new strategies to work around it sure but yeah donald let me interject there in terms of just trying to understand i mean you're a millennial uh you were not kind of here in terms of um we didn't ex- me and you didn't experience apartheid directly maybe sure. indirectly we saw the after effects of it yeah and we lived just a short period while it existed maybe 10 years of it um i'm interested in as a town planner and as um, a private consultant yourself, how do you uh, contest with this um, architectural narrative that you're currently seeing and how do you actually um, navigate yourself around it in terms of new ideas uh, that you probably are grappling with with your own uh, viewpoints in terms of your career? So with that... um I believe, I strongly believe that there's new thinking, there's new thinking in, in, in the built environment in terms of practice, in terms of uh, processes. Mm. Uh, but the reality is that we are more, with previous planning or current planning, we, we are more on actually um, retrofitting um, what was done by the apartheid system. What does that mean? We, we, we're trying to fix mm. rather than trying to work into finding new innovative, new innovative solutions. Yeah. Okay. So we we still kind of stuck in that phase, mm. but um, from a private consultancy, um, private consultancy end, um, we're seeing a lot of change, but uh, we can't run away from the from from the reality of of, of um, legislative um, limitations, limitations, mm. and yeah, things like that from the government's end. Mm. Well, we're going to st- 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 touch on those particular mm. points because I, I, I think they're very interesting with uh, uh, Sitar Limbanga. And also we're going to have Vui Soalitsoku, who is also a lecturer at the University of Johannesburg at the Department of Town and Regional Planning. We're speaking about this very interesting subject matter because we have been seeing various trends on the African mm. continent in the past few years, especially in our program. We've been speaking a lot about migration, urbanization, but really the issue of town planning and town management it seems like it's a very technical conversation that we always <laughs> run away from. So we said, you know what, let's talk about it and see how we can navigate a conversation around this because it is a very important issue. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with our guests after this. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Well, it's almost 20 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa on our various platforms on DSTV, on Shortwave. And if you're listening to us on our website on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're looking at uh, uh, the 
Uh, issue of urban planning, how important is it, especially when we're seeing shifts in terms of uh, uh, population uh, movements from rural to urban areas? They lead to various challenges, as I mentioned before the break. We have overcrowding, population and crime seem to be other challenges that African cities have to, to deal with. And now we have to start rethinking infrastructural design in this particular context. As I mentioned uh, before I went on the break, we have in our studio Sitole Mbanga, who's the CEO of the South Africa Cities Network, and David Mpulu, who is a town planner and a private consultant. We're also now joined by Vuiswa uh, Litsoko, who is a lecturer at the University of Johannesburg at the Department of uh, uh, Town and Regional Planning. Now, let's look at the rigidity that um, um, Donald was speaking about in terms of design, Sitole, before I go to Vuiswa. What actually also creates that rigidity is the fact that you also have additional uh, challenges on top of that. Migration is one of the overcrowding. And also we're starting to see the fact that even managing cities is a bit tougher because it's very difficult to even predict those uh, urbanization population shifts. So let me just take one step back and and talk to the issue that uh, Donald um, spoke to. Hmm. He's suggesting that in the planning fraternity, Mm. what they're doing is to retrofit. Mm. And I think that's exactly where the problem is. Mm. In the sense that if you're trying to retrofit, you're basically trying to deal with something that is already there instead of fundamentally destroying it Mm. and starting afresh. Mm. Unfortunately, I'm saying this also theoretically because politicians when they sit in council or mm. in, in, in the various platforms, whether at a national, at a regional or provincial or national government level, mm. unfortunately they don't have the luxury of thinking and being able to implement things long term. Mm. So they tend to want to respond to the immediate issues. And I think that's where the failure of dismantling is attributable to. Mm. In an ideal world, you will destroy everything or distract rather, not destroy, Mm. distract and then start afresh because retrofitting comes with problems where, for instance, in South Africa, you have just said that apartheid is gone. Actually, you guys that are the younger generation Mm. are living the effects of apartheid, possibly Mm. more than the earlier generations precisely because the the earlier generation understood that even the political framework was apartheid so everything ought to be apartheid Mm. and the younger generation today is living in a democratic dispensation and yet the the actual beneficiation of being in a city is very much apartheid and i think that that could be part and parcel of 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 retrofitting so let, let me go back to where where i think in the African context, the issue has been. So let's take a country like South Africa. The predictions according to the Integrated Urban Development Framework, Mm. which is the policy instrument that South Africa is utilizing to respond to urbanization, Mm. the IUDF predicts that by 2050, Mm. at least 70% of the population will be urban. Sure. In Uganda, no less than 70% of the population is less than 35 years old. That's young. Mm. In Nigeria, I think the current levels of urbanization or people living in areas called urban is about 80%. So the the phenomena of urbanization Mm. 
is taking place notwithstanding anything else, whether we like it or we do not like it. The reality is that people are moving into areas of opportunity as far as they are concerned. After all, human beings are anthropological. They will move to where the the opportunity is. And if they think the opportunity is in an urban area, that's exactly what they are going to do. Unfortunately, our forefathers of democracy, of African democracy, have tried to retrofit Mm. their own models of democracy Mm. into an already existential model which was informed by slavery, colonialism, Mm. Mm. and in the South African case, apartheid. It cannot work. Mm. Hence, I think if there's anything that Africa ought to start doing, Mm. it's to recognize through the design and the architecture of the state, Mm. the fact that if you have to solve Africa's problems, Mm. the starting point is at a local government level Mm. and not automatically at a national sphere level. And and I think that's where the problem lies, that local government is undermined Mm. its role in the African context. Mm. So so inevitably, where urbanization is taking place Mm. practically at a local local sphere, that sphere is undermined. It's not given a meaningful role to Mm. deal with urbanization Mm. and its effects. Let me bring in Vuyiswa. Very interesting spot that we are right now in our conversation, Vuyiswa. What are your thoughts on this retrofitting and versus a reimagining of the spaces, especially in the urban settings? Yes, yes. Thank you, Benjamin. I think, uh, you know, uh, Donald and Mr. Sitolia, they have touched on a very important aspect, which is the colonial aspect and our colonial history, which, of course, can't you know, be ignored when you speak of um, the spatial form of uh, South African cities specifically. Um, as a result of this, you know, you find... Um, Africa is witnessing one of the most important changes in both its democratic and settlement patterns where cities are now compelled to become the drivers of like the structural transformation mm. of African space spaces mm. and economies as well. But in saying that, I think that maybe goes back to the planning education that we probably give to our students, given that we are planning in a different context and we need to think of more innovative ways to deal with how do we now reverse, for lack of a better word, uh, the, col- the, 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 the presence of coloniality in our current form, you know? So issues of de- decolonization, de- decolonizing the planning techniques and planning theories which are applied, um, you know, at, even at a student level, because that would obviously then in, uh, uh, inform how a student's thinking would mm. be framed when they actually are in practice. So I think that's a very important point. And just to add on to that, sorry, in terms of uh, a town planner's role in an urbanization, um, I mean, town planners are people that work within a highly politicized environment. Mm. And as Mr. Sotole uh, correctly outlined, that in most cases you find most of these politicians don't actually understand the type of plans and implications of certain planning decisions that may be taken, you know. So as town planners, we basically, you know, it's, it, the town planning role has increasingly become important as, mm. as the leader of um, urban development and, um, you know, as the leader in providing strategic direction for growth and development of cities and the management of that as well, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So I think it, it, it's key issues that need to be uh, taken into account, especially uh, Mr. Sotolo made reference to spatial transformation. Um, you know, there needs to be an integrated approach to how we actually plan our cities and manage our cities, given that uh, urbanization obviously does, you know, lead to certain um, uh, problems such as uh, suburban sprawl, urban sprawl, mm. where um, majority of, you know, transport opportunities is a problem in terms of people actually getting to uh, economic uh, opportunities and other services within the city and all of that stuff. So it's a big challenge that we falling, we find ourselves in, but we need to think of more decolonial ways of actually thinking and uh, addressing these issues. Donald, with that said, uh, between Sitole and Vui, so I, I want to bring it to you in terms of, you know, in the narrative of infrastructure in, in South Africa, especially with the tweets that we we had from Helen Ziller from the Democratic Alliance, which is an opposition uh, party member in South Africa, highlighting the fact that infrastructure from was a benefit from a colonial um, past and history. We know that's a huge narrative, and there's that misperception that people think that the current infrastructure uh, setup has been um, uh, kind of a benefit for um, African states in terms of what the co- colonial contribution was. But that is true to a certain degree because in the past 20 years in South Africa, we've had such a huge dependency on the current infrastructure instead of rethinking about yes. it. Um, yeah. Donald, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, Benjamin, um, let's start by actually putting it forward that the reality of the key of, of the situation is that um, we are having a huge infrastructure problem across South Africa and Africa in general. Um, the infrastructure is outdated. That's the reality of the situation. Yeah, um, you should see this SABC building. That <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as as it is, we 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 we, we, we as 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 uh, built environment. Pro- professionals we, we we faced with a very 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 big big challenge because we're trying to actually um you know fix the infrastructure but whereas uh the population demand is is, is it's a different case altogether you know um well it's 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 a standing problem it's a problem that we can't ignore it's a problem that we can't you know uh overlook because obviously the constitution itself states that uh we you know, we need to serve infrastructure to to people. You know, um, what with that statement saying infrastructure was um, beneficial to, to to African cities. Um, well, I want to take it back to 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 to, to African cities such as um, Timbuktu. Mm. Uh, very well done. That city, as far as I I I I'm I'm aware of it, it was it had. It was reaching a state of civilization on its own and did not actually and re- require colonialism. You know? So colonialism, it's painting a picture that um, it was a benefit, mm-hmm. but actually in real essence, it was, it was a distraction. You know? It was a distraction to how yeah, naturally fine. it, it, it but would grow. But you're not grow, asking anything. You know? mm-hmm. How it would actually... Um, that city would actually uh, oh, grow. Okay. so obviously that would funnel that will actually transcend into other African cities. Sure, so, no, so, it's fine. You know, 
It's, mm, it's like mm. a plant yeah. that grows naturally, and then now you're disturbing it. You you know you, you're adding something else to it. Mm. It's you don't want to disturb that that natural process to mm. it, um, which is which is which is a very 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 misleading um, statement. That's mm. very general and that's very widely accepted mm. by us as as as, as young people. Mm. That look, we have this thanks. Thanks for for colonizing us. <laughs> so because we have now we have bridges and roads and things sure, like sure. that. But in real essence, um, I mean, Egypt on its own, in the architecture and infrastructure then was was it was massive. It was great. Sure, yeah. sure. All right, let me, let me take a quick break. I want us to come back to those challenges merging a colonial past to a new imagined future, especially when you see the. Uh, the ICT infrastructural demands that are now a real issue for every African city, not just African city, but globally, people are starting to see things from an ICT infrastructural viewpoint. We'll deal with that after this break. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, It's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, have our final part of this conversation with our fantastic panel today. Uh, very interesting insights that are coming from this conversation. Uh, we've got Sitole Mbanga, who is the CEO of the South Africa Cities Network, uh, Donald Mbulu, who is town planner, private consultant, Vuyiswa Litsoko, lecturer at the University of Johannesburg at the Department of uh, Town and Regional Planning. Let me start with you, Vuyiswa, this time around in terms of the question that I was trying to pose and it's very much a very big, big issue because everyone is talking about the fourth industrial revolution. It's like a big catchphrase. Everyone's trying to sound clever with that particular phrase. But we know there's a lot of backlogs in some African countries. I mean, we haven't even uh, really went anywhere with digital migration in South Africa. And when it comes to just access to Wi-Fi, it's non-existent in South Africa. Now we have to start rethinking even the price of data. There's so many things to reimagine when it comes to the ICT space that we're in. That's another additional strain, isn't it, when you start rethinking African cities? Yes, uh, no, definitely. I think um, for, you know, town planners and people in the built environment, they'll be familiar with the concept of smart cities um, uh, where we basically trying to use smart solutions uh, to urban challenges and all of that stuff. So, uh, with us being in the Industrial Revolution 4.0, that basically means that technology basically takes center stage and try for us to um, address these challenges and all of that stuff. So, um, you know, but in the same sentence, you know, technology alone can't really make a smart city if you think about it. It, it needs smart governance, sure. it needs smart business and smart citizens as well. So. Um, 
I guess it, one could say that that uh, 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 to say that you know the city of Johannesburg or you know Swane or whatever to move towards a smart city currently might be overreaching in that aspect. Uh, given that you know data costs are quite high, um, you got a lot of uh, a high number of our population that don't even have access to cell phones or the internet. You know, so um, I think there's a need for us to move towards connectivity and ensuring that even. Uh, the people that are in the outskirts of the cities are able to, you know, access services using ICT systems and all of that stuff. And I know in uh, the city of Tswane they have rolled out a Wi-Fi project where they allow, uh, you know, people that come into the city of uh, Tswane CBD a certain amount of megabytes uh, for, uh, uh, per day. But, you know, even myself, having used it, uh, I've... Uh, I've quickly realized that uh, there's some faults in actually, you know, rolling it out given the fact that, uh, you know, data is very expensive and mm -hmm. uh, the amount of data that is actually available uh, to you at that point in time is not really enough for you to actually do exactly what it is that you want to do. Um, you know, this whole Internet of Things and Smart Cities concept needs someone to be highly uh, connected uh, almost all the time, if I could say. and. Mm -hmm. Another big issue, I think, for African cities would be the issue of big data. You know, um, not a lot of uh, African cities currently are able to manage, you know, the data and actually have the systems in place to manage the data. And more importantly, um, you know, the capacity, the, the capacity of um, municipal mm -hmm. workers, municipal officials, uh, is not always inclined to be, you know, technology and orientated as you'll find and mm -hmm. if you just want to inquire about a simple service uh, a simple pothole to just report that to the mm -hmm. municipality you still actually have to go to the municipality for it to be effectively dealt with so yeah technology mm -hmm. is a big um, a big uh, aspect in trying to deal with the, 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 the different uh, issues that urbanization actually sure. Um, you know, brings about, yeah. Mr. Mbanga, your thoughts on that? Um, so, so, so the question that you are putting on the table is how do we move from the past to to the future? And I think, again, as, 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 as Donald was saying, I mean, comments such as we must be thankful of colonialism are quite unfortunate. Sure. Um, if, if not racist, plain racist. Um, there's something in me that says, so long as we do not understand Africa and the African continent, in particular, what is an African person, we are not going to be able to move from the past to the future. Because creating the future has to be first and foremost about creating it for people that will be utilizing the Africa and its cities, the African continent and its cities and everything else that characterizes sure. uh, the, 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 those cities, whether it's mobility, whether it's energy, um, whether it's your natural resources, the ecology, it has to be that cities, people like Donald, they design and, and innovatively think about cities with the person in mind, mm -hmm. who's the end user. True. Uh, not a not a colonial, not a European, not a Franco, 
sense of what a city ought to be. So I think for me that's the starting point. What what will characterize a safe and an inclusive African city uh, for Africans first and foremost. I think then that secondly, the issue that then needs to be tackled will be once we've defined what the African person is and what their experience is, is to understand that there is an existing economy in there. Um, and that in Africa, most of our economy is very much informal. You can't speak about Africa and disregard informality. Mm. Most of Africa's economy is very much about the informal yeah, sector. Yeah, we were actually having a conversation yeah. with Ayanda yeah. the last time, and um, one of our producers, and we were speaking about how to design the inner city in Joburg, and most people were saying, uh, let's remove the, the informal traders. And I was like, but that's you part of the lifestyle. Mm. So that's part of the life. So there you go. That's part of the framework. You can't. Yeah. So, yeah. so you can't. Um, <coughs> informality has unfortunately been been made to look at something that is debt mm. and grime mm. by other scholars, uh, by other governors, by other municipal councillors, when in fact there's a lot of informality mm. that is actually extremely good, it's extremely clean, it's very transparent, and it, 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 it um, allows for the interface. And it's very affordable. <laughs> it's extremely affordable sure, in sure. most instances. Sure. Um, and at Tequini, for instance, in Deben, they've, they've done that. Mm. I know instances in, in Nairobi where I've been at some point, I've seen informality at work. Mm. Not only contributing to the globe, to the broader GDP of the country, but actually allowing households to have a living mm. instead okay. Um, of eking out uh, on poverty, having a dependency on the informalities. So there's a way in which we need to think creatively. And thirdly, which is my last point about how we move from the past to the future, it's about having a governance model that takes into account that the city or the municipality is not a forte only of those that are elected. Yeah, It's not only for councillors. Mm. The city is not only, only about the mayor. It's about all stakeholders understanding that the city is an asset and that it's a type of asset that needs to be preserved for the future, that its economy makes the entire country function and breathe, and therefore the connection between the various cities in the African continent will ultimately take Africa out of the poverty that it has because the, the, the combined effort of those economies and of those people and the governance model is what will ultimately make, make Africa relate to the fourth industrial uh, revolution that we're all talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, Donald, your thoughts about bridging those gaps? Yeah, true. Um, basically, what Mr. Banga is saying is very true. Um, we, we, we need to, 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 to move away from this uh, blanket approach, um, this European planning. What works in a certain city does not necessarily mean that it can, it can work in Joburg, for instance, you know. Sure. That, that, that type of mentality and that type of uh, blanket approach thinking, we need to loosen from that. You know? um, in general, um, there's scholars that have actually looked into this type of colonial thinking, colonial planning, in the scientists, Franz Fanon, Mignolo, for, for some, to name a few. Um, you know, the essence there is to, for us to actually unthink what is thought to be thought, you know, or to de-link, you know, de-linking. Um, to move away from what what is the norm, you know, inverted commas, you know. Um, 
this this actually challenges the user, which is the African person, as Mr. Bana says. We need to plan for the people, not and with the people actually, not for the people. The other way around, yeah. So um, cities and infrastructure need to be placed from from a point of a user-based city we need to de- develop a user-based city so the fourth industrial revolution the revolution uh the reality is that it's going to come with a lot of challenges but it's going to come with a lot of plus points as well you know um for example if if if, if you take it back i think 2011 2012 the city of johannesburg had uh, released um, um their new website uh, two years after that, it was found that it it did did not the the councillors, which are council employees, were unable to use that website. You know, it's there. We have a system. We have a system. We have Wi-Fi, for example, now. But uh, if I usable. if I can't use, use it, it, what's the point? What's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, it's there, but I can't use it. It's sure. not. It's not meant for me. You know. Sure. Sure. You, we as planners or practitioners, we need to understand the, the the problem on the ground and plan for the user as well. Fantastic. What a great conversation. I think we could take it to other elements because when you speak about this, mm. transport links, there's so many different elements that we could touch on but we've ran out of time but I just want to thank our guests for this fantastic debate and conversation we've had thank you to the CEO of South Africa Cities Networks Tolimbanga for coming into our studios thank you to Donald Mbulu Town Plan and Private Consultant for giving us your time and Vuiswa Litsoko thank you for giving us your time as well she's a lecturer at the University of Johannesburg at the Department of Town and Regional Planning I'm sure uh, we'll be in touch with you uh, Mr Mbanga in the next month or so maybe uh, we could find new angles and what we can speak about in terms of this very very insightful uh, conversation but it's 11.45 Central African time we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we'll have our business news This is Channel Africa South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunya Nzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.